Well, guys, I'm in John chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 16, which is where uh, this fifth sign uh, that John gives us takes place. It's just six verses. It'll go quick. Uh, And John writes, when evening came, now he's just fed the 5,000. It says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and they started across uh, the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose, the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. Um, And guys, that's it. Six verses. I want to tell you what happens here. Jesus walking on water, uh, this fifth sign of John, is one of my favorite miracles, just like the feeding of the 5,000. And, and I, I want to, with everything in me, uh, go to Matthew's account and read you that account, and we'll take a big systematic approach, because Matthew has all these cool details that John doesn't have, right? Because if you read Matthew, uh, you, you know that, that they, they've been out there for a long time, that Jesus comes to them, they're freaked out, uh, right? So, so in Matthew's account, feed the 5,000, right? We know that uh, Jesus says, go pick up baskets of leftovers. There's 12 basketfuls. Then he says, get in the boat. He goes off to pray. They get in the boat. They go out, uh, and and then the storm hits. And on the Sea of Galilee, even though it was landlocked, uh, you'd think, how bad could that be? It's really like a big lake. The winds could get so bad that people died. Right? I mean, I mean, ships were 200 feet deep and steep. It's like, like people died. And, and so it, it's a big deal. So the storm comes up. And, and, and text, other, other texts say that the wind and the waves are buffeting them. It means slapping them. It means beating them. It, it's similar to what happened to Jesus uh, when, when he was scourged and beaten for our sake. And, and, and so that's what's going on. Jesus walks out uh, on water. They freak out. But then Peter calls out, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And, and we know in Matthew's account that, that then Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on water himself. But then he looks at the wind and the waves and he begins to sink and, and he cries out, save me, which Jesus does. And he says, you have little faith. And there's so many things I could preach out of Matthew. Right? Talk about the fact that, that Jesus is Lord over creation and that he's got the power to either calm the storm or to calm his child. Right? And that's true. Uh, we could talk about what, what, what the Lord can do with just a little bit of faith. Because if Peter had little faith, uh, that's the rock of the church, y'all. That's why we're here today. Okay? Right? Uh, you are Christ, son of the living God. Peter is the first preacher of the church. If he can do that with just that little bit of faith, what can he do with us? There's so many lessons out of Matthew that we could preach. That, that the same God who, who can provide, and, and the same one that we're on the mountain with, that was a mountain moment, feeding of the 5,000, which is probably more like feeding of, you know, 10, 20, uh, is the same one that tells us to get in the boat, right? Like I said last week, that not every storm in life is because of disobedience. Some of them because we're actually doing the will of God and Satan is coming against us. And t- like there's so many things I could preach if I were preaching Matthew. But this series is about John. And this series about these seven signs that John records in a very specific way, and he does them all according to the end of the book. He does them all because he wants us to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing in him, we might have life. And so John leaves out all the details of Matthew on purpose. 
There's a reason behind it, and we've got to figure that out. And so I, I want to tell you why I'm thankful for that, because it challenges us, right? And so when we, when we accept that, we go, okay, well, why did John include what John included? Then we start to see that what John included paints a really good illustration of us in our lives, okay? So there's four things I'm going to share with you. Uh, that I think this story shows us about ourselves. That's what this whole series, what these signs mean for us. So there's four things I'm going to share with you, and then we'll be done. Here's the first. I want you to know that spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we are all lost at sea. Okay? Spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we are all lost at sea. See, So this whole thing makes a great illustration for our lives. So Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000, tells them to, you know, pick up leftovers, get in the boat. They do it. Uh, they, they get in the boat. And uh, now, now, in Mark's account, we know, uh, so, so they leave at evening. That means it's at least 6 o'clock. It could be up to 9 o'clock uh, when they, they get in the boat to go. Now, according to Mark's account, um, well, well, let's look at John's first. It says right there in John 6, 19, it says they, they row hard for about three or four miles. Uh, three or four miles. But this takes them a long time. In Mark's account, uh, we find out that when Jesus finally comes out to him, it's like the third watch of the night. It means it's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Like it's almost, like they've been at it all night, right? And so you, you may think, well, this isn't, I've seen it on a map. This isn't like the, the ocean necessarily. It's landlocked. But again, people here die. And, 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 and listen, we've got trained fishermen in a boat. Windstorm comes up and they are powerless to do anything. They can't, they can't, they can't beat it. it. It's not pushing them to shore. It's pushing the middle. They think they're going to die in other accounts. And, and they're, they're powerless against the wind and the waves. And y'all... The Bible tells us that that is our story spiritually. That without Jesus, we are lost at sea. We're, we're, we're lost in the storm of life. Uh, that's where we are. And so that's kind of where we begin with just that basic truth. Spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we're all lost at sea. The second thing that the story shows us is that no amount of hard work or talent on our part can fix this truth. Okay? No amount of hard work or talent on our part can fix this. So think with me about who's in the boat. Can we think about that for a second? This is a boat primarily full of fishermen. I know there's a tax collector in there, all right? Uh, Matthew's in there, Levi's in there. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. But, but listen, uh, we know for a fact, for a fact, that four of the disciples, like literally, were called off of their fishing boats. Four. Okay? So we know that for a fact. Now, in addition to that, if, if you read uh, uh, later in John 21, it, it, it says this. So, so the four, we've got Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Then in John 21, uh, this is post-resurrection after Peter's denial, uh, it says that uh, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, and two others, two others, that's four, go fishing with Peter. We already know about Peter, so Peter's part of another four. Uh, I, I, I tend to think they would have mentioned James and John, because John's writing it. Uh, so, so, like, we could have eight of these guys that are fishermen. And, and y'all, that's not an easy task. Uh, anybody, anybody out there uh, watching a little show about Jesus right now? Anybody watching it? What's the name of that show again? Uh-huh, The Chosen. Maybe you're watching it. I don't know if you've seen how hard the fishing is in The Chosen. It's not like you're out there enjoying it, right? It's little, I mean, hard, hard work. So these are, these are, these are manly men, 
They're used to hard work, and they're good at what they do. Okay? And not just good at fishing, they're, they're good at, at making their way to the other shore. This is what they do for a living. And what I want you to see is despite how hard they work, despite all their skill and all the time they've spent on that sea, they are at the mercy of the wind and the waves. There is nothing they can do to get to the other side. And again, that's our story. That's our story, y'all. Listen, with, with, spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we are all lost at sea and there's nothing we can do to change it. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, we are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. All right? All lost at sea. Nothing we can do. Doesn't matter how hard we work. Doesn't matter how much skill we have. There's nothing we can do to change our circumstance. Which kind of brings me to the third point, And it's this, that only Jesus has the power to save us from our distress. Only Jesus has the power to save us from our distress. Okay? So they're there. They're stuck. They ain't going anywhere. They think they're going to die. It's only when Jesus comes that things get better. So listen, guys, when you understand that you were in trouble and that there is nothing that you can do to fix it, you get a little stressed, amen? I'm in trouble, and there's nothing I can do. And that's the moment you start to freak out, you start to cry out, you start, Lord, save me, somebody help me. Like we, we need somebody that is bigger than us, that is better than us, we need help, we need saving, we need someone that has power over the storm, and so I want you to do me a favor, um, if you can, turn with me all the way back in the book of Psalms to Psalm 107. I want to show you kind of a, a cool link here. <coughs> Excuse me. Cool tie-in, Psalm 107 is a psalm about deliverance. It's a psalm about deliverance. It's a psalm about people that need saving. And, and the psalmist is going to set up four examples of people that need saving. We're just going to walk through them quickly. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read through 6 just so you get an idea of what this psalm is about. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them from the power of the foe. And He's gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the, and the south. It says, Some wandered in desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry, they were thirsty, their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. What's that next verse say? He rescued them from their distress. Right? So that's one group of people. Now here's another group of people in verse 10. It says, Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains, because they rebelled against God's command, and they despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke this, uh, their spirits with hard labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Get this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. Right? That's another group of people. The Lord has saved them from their distress. Now, verse 17. Fools, it says, suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. They loathed all food. They came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. What's that next verse say? He saved them from their distress. And then one more group of people. This one's going to sound oddly familiar. Verse 23. Others went to sea in ships, conducting trade on the vast water. 
They saw the Lord's works, His wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea. Rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They reeled and they staggered like a drunkard. Notice this line. And all of their skill was useless. These are people that live on the water and all of their skill is useless. And then we have this verse 28. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet, and then he guided them to the harbor that they longed for. Does that sound familiar to you? And who did all of it? The Lord. They cried out in their distress, and it says each time, the Lord... Uh, they cried out to the Lord, and He saved them in their distress. And, and you say, why does John do this? Why don't do, He give us all these details? Because He wants to focus on one thing. And that's that Jesus is the Lord that saves us from our distress. That's it. So what, what, what is this fifth sign about for John? It's about that, that Jesus is the Lord. He is the Lord of Psalm 107. That, that, that saves us from our distress. That when the storms are tossing the boat around, when there's no way to cross to the other side, that Jesus is the Lord that saves us from our distress. You don't believe me? Look at verse 20. When Jesus speaks, John records this. He says to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. That phrase, it is I, is the same phrase that we're going to find later in verse 35. When Jesus talks about the bread of life, he says, I am. It's a reference to God. I am. Remember when Moses once said, who do, I, who do I say that you are, Lord? He says, you tell him that I am. Jesus is Lord. That's what John wants us to understand, that he is Lord. So, spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we're all lost at sea. There's no amount of hard work or talent on our part that can fix it. Only Jesus has the power to save us from this distress. And then here's the last part. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's that the moment that we take Jesus in, the moment that we take Jesus in, we are redeemed and we become children of God. And this is like a big deal for John. He's the only one that records the immediacy of this. And, and so I, I just kind of want you to see it. it. It's there in verse 20 and 21. It says, But he said to them, uh, It is I or I am. Don't be afraid. It says, then they were willing to take him on board, and, uh, and I underline that for you, and what? At once, like immediately, at once, uh, they, the boat was, was on the shore where they were heading. At once, it happened. At once, okay? The moment that they took him on board, they arrived at the other side. And, and the Bible, y'all, the Bible calls that redemption. The Bible calls that redemption. That's how Psalm 107 began. Uh, I'll put it on the screen again, verse 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them from the power of the foe. He has gathered them from the lands. That word redeem, it means pay with a price or to pay a ransom. Okay? That's what Christ has done. And notice, listen, the moment that we... It says the moment that they were willing to take him on board, they made it to the other side. All right? So I talked about this with you last week. I want to talk about it a little more this week. I, I said God has planted, the Bible says, God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. 
right? And, and that whether we know it or not, we spend our whole life uh, trying to, to, to do something to fill this hole inside of us. That hole was actually placed there by God himself. Uh, and what we long for, what our hearts long for, is to be right with God. Um, but the Bible teaches pretty clearly that we can't do that on our own and by ourselves because of our sin. So God is holy, holy, holy. It means righteous, righteous, righteous. Perfect, perfect, perfect is, is probably a better translation. And we are not. And there's nothing we can do to change that. And so the Bible teaches that between us in our sinful condition and the Lord in his holiness, uh, it actually says there is a great chasm that cannot be crossed. Right? There's a great chasm that can't be crossed. And so I want you to understand what Jesus does when we allow him onto the boat, when we ask him to come into our lives, at the moment that we do it, in an instant that we do it, that chasm is bridged and we are brought into the presence of God himself. We are made right with God. We are redeemed. We're declared righteous. And we now have a relationship with God and he becomes our father and we become his children. Okay? Listen. God made everyone, but not everyone is his child. We become children of God when we accept the payment of Jesus for our sins. We allow him to come into our life and to take control. And in, in that moment, we are redeemed. Okay? Like, that's the picture. So you say, what, what is the fifth sign about? It's about that. It's about that. That Jesus is Lord, and he is the only one that can bridge that chasm, that can get us to the shore. What did Psalm 107 say? That they longed to be on, right? That they longed to be on. Psalm 107, 28 and 29. Then he guided them to the harbor that they longed for. And so if you're here this morning, uh, or you're listening online at some point, you hear my voice, and you've been searching I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, what you're searching for is God himself. No one else can satisfy the hole in your life. No one. Period. Number two, the only way for you to be right with God is Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter. Uh, I, I mean, listen, maybe you'll go to another church and they'll tell you, well, if you'll stop cussing and drinking and, you know, dancing and whatever else you're doing, you stop all those things, then, then you'll be, like, none of that matters. It doesn't. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of his heart. Right? We, we, he looks at Nicodemus and says, man, you've got to be born again. You, something has to come out of you. You need me. Guys, we need Jesus. And when we get to that point, we realize, you know what? Man, I, I can't. Some of you, I, I love you. Some of you are tired. I meet you on a regular basis. I shake your hand and hug your neck and you are tired because religion is, gosh, it's hard. Right? I mean, isn't it hard to be a Christian without Christ? Amen? Oh my gosh! What, what a bar that is! What? What? But man, when Christ is on board, we are children of God, and there is nothing, nothing that we can do to change that, or that the world can do to change that. Alright? So that's what we want to talk about this morning. So there's some application that comes out of that. And then I'll talk to you a little bit more. So uh, four things very quickly. Number one, I, I think uh, I, I want to encourage you to take a hard look at your spiritual surroundings, okay? Uh, take a hard look at your spiritual surroundings, all right? At some point, you have to realize that what you're doing is not working. It's not, okay? So disciples uh, in the boat 
all fishermen, hard workers, they know the sea. Is it working? It's not, right? They're, it's not. They're constantly blown off course. They think the boat's going to sink. If it, if it sinks where they are, they're going to drown. They're, they're at a point, they're, they're, they're crying out for help. Uh, you've got you've to reach that point. And I wish that it was the same for everybody. I wish you could just hear my voice and go, I'm there. It's different for, like, rock bottom is rock bottom, and rock bottom looks way different for everybody. At some point, you have to realize what you're doing is not working, and you keep doing the same stuff, and maybe it's, maybe your same stuff is that every two years, you show up at church and say, well, I'm going to get my life right. Did it work last time? No, it did not. Right? Maybe it's, well, I'm just going to give a little more money, and maybe it's, well, I'm going to listen to Christian radio for, for a few months. God bless you. That's great. Is it working? You might be better, but you're not saved. Right? Because that doesn't make you right with God. Only Jesus can do that. So you have to understand that what you're doing is not working. Second, um, you've got to realize that you're lost and can do nothing to change that fact. Okay? So I look at my surroundings. It's not working. And then I, I realize, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Nothing I can do can change this. Nothing. And y'all, if you've been there and you've tried religion, you know this, or you should by now. You should by now. That is empty, empty business. Uh, do you remember when Jesus' first miracle, anybody remember that? It was water into, yep, you're welcome, Baptist. All right. Remember how I said that, that wine was, 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 was symbolic with joy in Jewish culture? And I said, some of y'all are Jewish. God bless you. Um, you didn't know it, but your heart's been crying out. Okay. Do you remember what, what Jesus used to, to do that whole miracle, what the containers were? Do you remember what they were used for? Jewish purification. And they were empty. Y'all, religion is empty. And you can keep turning to that empty trough, but it is never, ever, ever going to make you right with God. You have to have Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could live the law perfectly. He's the only one, by the way, that interpreted it perfectly, right? Because all the religious people had it wrong. Okay, Jesus shows up and they've got it all figured out, they think. They're going to force everybody to do everything just the right way. They've made a million different laws out of one command. And he's like, nope. Man, go and see what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? You're missing the boat, okay? So we have to realize we're lost. We can do nothing. Number three, uh, we have to cry out to Jesus and invite him into our life, okay? I, I, love, I love the text here, um, I'll grab it and just read it one more time because it's really cool. Verse 21, then they were willing to take him on board. <laughs> then they were willing. Jesus, their Lord, walking on water. Can you, y'all guys picturing the storm, right? The storm, the boat's like this. Uh, the wind and the waves are like, we're going to die. Uh, Peter does the jump out. He saves him. And, and then, like, I'm assuming he's putting Peter back in the boat. And here's Jesus still standing on the wind and the waves. And they're like, oh, I guess you can come in. Right? That sounds silly. Hello, that's us, right? Our lives are a wreck. Okay? We've tried everything we can. The storms are still raging. Uh, here's Jesus who has saved us from the trouble. He's put us back in the boat. He's standing there going, what else do you want from me? And we still haven't gone, oh, please come take control. What? How many times does he have to save you from your trials and your troubles before you go, you know what? 
you are a much better sailor than me. Right? You're way better at this control thing than I am. Here, here's my life. Okay? That's what we've got to do. We've got to cry out. We have to invite him into our life. And then finally, when we do that, we need to celebrate uh, our new life. When we do that, we need to celebrate our new life. I love how Psalm 107 begins. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. That's called a celebration. It's a celebration of praise. And and y'all, we've got to do that as well. All right? So here's what I want to do with you this morning. I'm going to ask you where you are to bow your heads. I know I'm talking to a lot of believers, and that's awesome. I'm so glad that you all have accepted Christ and know Christ. Uh, But maybe there's somebody here uh, that either hasn't, or that even though they have, they have somehow managed to try to take things back over, and it's a wreck. So uh, I want to talk to both of you, but I don't want you to look at other people and freak out and do those things. So you, you bow your head where you are. I'm going to talk to your foreheads. Uh, top of your heads for a second and I just want you to respond with a hand maybe here in a second but just bow your heads where you are and so first I want to talk uh, let me talk to the believers in the room that um, maybe you're dealing with anxiety a little bit of fear and uh, it's a sign you're, you're a believer you've asked Jesus to take control but it's a sign that there's something in your life there's some area that you're not trusting him for And so you've taken kind of control back of it, and it's a wreck right now. It's probably, um, if I guess, it's probably affecting your closest relationships. Um, It might be affecting your your physical health, Um, maybe your your sleep, uh, maybe you're having some uh, stomach issues, something like that. There's something going on with you. Uh, If that's you, if I'm speaking your language right now, your believer, that's going on, would you just raise your hand just where you are and just say, man, I need some prayer. Just keep it up so I can see it. Okay? Okay, that's a good amount. Okay. Okay, I'm going to pray for you guys in a second. You can put those hands back down. Thank you. Uh, Now, some of you, though, the truth is you have never, ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've heard about him. Uh, Maybe you're a teenager. Your parents have talked about him quite a bit. Uh, Maybe you've, you've gone to camp at some point. Maybe you went forward to pray or something like that. But the truth is you've never, you've never just given Jesus control of your life. You've never said, hey, like this is this invite him into the boat. You've never said, hey, I need you to come and take control. I'm making a mess of this. Maybe not just a teenager, but an adult. You've tried a lot of things to clean up your life, but no matter what you do, it, it seems to keep ending up a wreck. And and this morning you understand the only way that things are going to change is if you invite Jesus into your life. Uh, if there's anybody here that that describes you, would you just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus to come into my life? Uh, so bad, just raise your hand, it's okay. Man, awesome, awesome. So here, I'm gonna pray with you guys first, okay? And then, uh, hey, you four that just raised your hand, everybody else is looking down, you four that raised your hand, could y'all look at me for just one second? Awesome. Man, thank you for your honesty, okay? Just at the end of the service, people will come greet us, they're gonna bring us their visitor card. Will y'all come and just talk to myself and John, just, it will take two minutes of your time, is that cool? Okay, let's pray together. If that's you, and you've never really given Jesus control of your life, we're going to pray this prayer right now. And just pray with me from your heart. And just say, Lord Jesus, today I realize that I cannot do this on my own. I'm exhausted, and I'm weary, 
And to be honest, my life is a wreck. Come into my boat. Come in right now. Just take control. You're going to be better than me. Forgive me of my sin. Change me slowly or quickly. It's your call. I am yours. And you just say amen. Amen on the end of that. That's awesome. All right, Christians, that anxiety, that stuff that's keeping you up, I want to pray for that as well. Father, many of us, um, we have given you control at some point, but we have yanked it back in an area, and it has eaten our lunch. We're having health issues. We're having relational issues. And it is a sign of a storm that's going on, and it, it's not a storm we need to be in. You're the only way out of it. And Lord, just as you saved us from our sin, you, you, you want to you you be that for us in every circumstance in life. Not that life won't be hard, but that you're the one that's always got it. You actually tell us uh, that we should bring our burdens unto you because your yoke is light. And if, if light does not describe our life right now, that's an us problem, not a you problem. And so God, we come before you right now and we ask whatever that problem is, that thing that we've taken back, Lord, for each of my brothers and my sisters right now in their heart of hearts, help them lay that thing back down. Help them invite you back into that space and let us all say, God, King Jesus, Lord of all creation, the one who has authority over the wind and the waves, we give you control of this thing again. Take it, it's yours. Let us rejoice in the fact that someone way greater than us now has control over this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.